Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs and change makers who are pushing this industry forward. It's our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis because you need to make educated decisions about how you're caring for yourself and the people that you love or otherwise participating in this incredible exciting and extremely challenging industry. I invite you guys to check us out at medicalsecrets.com if you want recommendations for products or easy to digest information that can uh, help you feel more confident and competent around the subject of cannabis and hemp. And I also am really interested to getting to know you and hearing your story if you are a budding entrepreneur or established business owner in this space, shoot me an email, Sonia at medicalsecrets.com, and I'll be excited to connect with you. Guys, today we have an incredible entrepreneur, one I'm super excited to talk to. I've been I've been stalking him for a moment here because of his role in uh, legal development across the country when it comes to the cannabis industry. Um, and today we are going to have a chance to pick his brain. Our guest is a lawyer and public defender who got into documenting the legal developments in the cannabis industry and in part to help people who are going into the industry, but also in part to further the goal of legalization across the country. His work has been instrumental and we're really excited to talk about the different various laws in state, uh, in each state concerning, um, concerning the development of the industry. And this is going to be a pretty exciting episode. So stick with us and uh, make sure that you comment and like on this episode. Comment on this episode, like this episode, make sure that you tag a few people that you know are going to benefit from this information. Put your hands together and help me welcome my good friend, Jared Mancinelli. How's it going? Uh, Pretty good. Super excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have done some pretty extensive research into who you are and some of the things that you've had your hand in. But for folks who have not had the pleasure to do so, why don't you give us a quick and dirty on who you are, um, a little bit on your background, and what you are up to in the cannabis craze? Uh, Well, um, uh, I uh, went to law school at Northeastern University in Boston. Um, I graduated in the midst of the financial crisis, ended up going back to school, getting a master's degree in public policy. And once I started doing that, I kind of fell into doing public defender work. Uh, did that for a few years, and uh, I'm still I'm still working on some of that stuff now. Anyway, but uh, I uh, got into uh, can- the cannabis space in part out of just wanting to do something novel and interesting, and in part out of 
uh, th- realizing just how uh, terrible and ineffective uh, the drug policy of this country was and uh, uh, wanting to change it for the better. I mean, personally, I've always been in favor of uh, legalization of cannabis. Uh, I, 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 in fact, I'm, I, I, I actually agree with uh, Tulsi Gabbard in that sense that she she wants to see all drugs legalized and basically uh, take uh, the, um, the the criminal justice system out of dealing with the drug problem because you can't jail your way out of it. I mean, I think the opioid crisis is pretty much proof positive of that. But I started getting into uh, the cannabis space and, and in particular, uh, Cannabis Law Digest when I met with several attorneys from New York and we, uh, came up with the idea of what if we had a central point of reference to document all of what went on in the cannabis industry as it, as it happened. And I thought to myself, you know, well, here's a chance to do something I've always dreamed of doing, documenting the birth of a new area of law. I mean, I, you know, how, how many times that's literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. Totally. Myself, I'd be I'd be crazy not to take this. Totally. I'd be crazy not to take this chance. So that's how it all got started in uh, uh, late 2017. Uh, CannabisLawDigest.com went live uh, February of 2018. It is still live now. Um, it's uh, relatively uh, uh, low cost uh, resource for. Not just attorneys, but also uh, activists, uh, business owners, or anyone interested in uh, uh, examining what's going on legally nationwide in the cannabis industry. It's uh, a $300 subscription per year, and then you know, for for that for that price, that's that's less than what you'd pay for you know actually retaining an attorney in this uh, uh, in the cannabis space. So we try yeah, to make it a good value. Hour. We try to make it a good value for for uh, uh, what uh, our our uh, our subscribers spend on it. I love it. This is one of the. This is probably one of the reasons why I was most excited to um, interview you is because for about a year now I've been explaining to people that there's really two ways to get involved in the industry or three ways to get involved with the industry. Number one is to get a job in the industry and develop new skill sets. Number right. two is to use the current skill sets and certifications that you have and tailor them to serve this new industry. And then finally um, is to start your own business. Uh, And I think a lot of people, their automatic eye goes to, oh, I'm going to start my own cannabis company or I'm going to start my own hemp company before they evaluate, you know, their assets. And a lot of them end up failing because they don't have the right amount of assets when they could have just used a skill set to get into the business and supporting a developing brand. Well, I've been trying to do all three to tell you the truth. So. Well, I think you're in a unique situation because you have a particular skill set that helps to eliminate a lot of the upfront costs. I mean, just to retain an attorney, you know, in this industry ranges anywhere from, you know, 5,000 up to $15,000, you know, just to kickstart. Right. And that's like, that's, that's two people you want to make sure you have on your team. An excellent, an excellent lawyer and an excellent accountant when you're in this space. Right. Yeah, that's definitely, especially, um, 
uh, uh, with um, uh, the the issues surrounding uh, taxation and you know the 280e tax penalty and all that. Um, uh, that's uh, uh, been a problem for a lot of businesses in this space, especially those who touch the plant. So. Um, you know, having having a good lawyer and a good accountant is uh, absolutely vital. Uh, but I think also, you know, one of the things that one of the purposes uh, Cannabis Law Digest serves is that, you know, it allows people to be better, more effective consumers of legal services as well, because they can know a little bit more about the legal landscape before they contact their attorney. Totally. A better idea of what to expect. In the, both in their home state and in any other state that they're considering expanding into. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about the around the focus of, of the website? What are three things? Uh, who, first of all, who is um, going to benefit most from coming to your site? I've been there. I love it. It's an excellent resource for me, but I'm a, I'm a public figure and educator in the industry. So right. for me, it's a really incredible resource. Who, who are the other folks that will really benefit from coming to your site? Uh, well, the, the, you know, the, we don't really, um, that's, that's a difficult question to answer because there's, uh, the, our client base, our, I shouldn't say client because they're not technically legal clients, our subscriber base is a pretty diverse group of people. You have uh, everybody from like dispensary operators to uh, people in like the hemp CBD side of the industry. Um, we have attorneys and law firms. We have uh, a few accountants. Well, you, uh, so you have business professionals. You have people who are serving the industry who come to you yeah. as, as a resource center right. to right. do whatever they're doing in the industry better. Right. And likewise, we also have people who, like yourself, are educators uh, uh, who are, you know, interested in learning and presenting more to whoever their students and their audience are. Uh, we're in talks with a, a group uh, up in Massachusetts who's doing um, uh, education and, and uh, you know, vocational uh, uh, education and vocational training for the cannabis industry. And uh, they are interested in what we're doing and um we might be, we're going to be preparing some educational materials for them. Uh, we're planning on doing some uh, continuing legal education uh, programs. Uh, we're hopefully, I, I don't know what's going to go on later this year. I mean, the situation, I don't have to tell you, is uh, pretty uh, uh, tense right now with this, with this god awful outbreak. But uh, we're, we're planning on either later this year or next year. Uh, uh, doing some uh, continuing legal education courses. Uh, I myself have given presentations before um, vocational training classes. Um, I've testified at uh, state legislative hearings here in New Jersey on several occasions. Uh, so, you know, we're getting the word out, not just about our project, but, you know, basically demonstrating to people that, uh, the cannabis industry can create a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunity and a lot of uh, uh, overall benefit for the country and and for the economy as a whole. What what have what have you seen as uh, first of all? Thank you for the work that you're doing. I I think having a solid 
fact-based resource center has been, you know, I have, <laughs> I'm Greek and Argentinian. I'm plenty opinionated, but it's really nice uh, to have some. <laughs> well, I'm, really- I'm, I'm half Italian, half uh, uh, Eastern European Jewish. So we got, yeah, you can, you can only imagine. You can only imagine. <laughs> I'll leave it to you to think about. Yeah, I'm telling you what, it's a good thing my show's uncensored because sometimes I start popping off at the mouth and I'm, <laughs> I'm hey, like... this is the internet. There's no FCC to worry about here. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what. So I'd love to hear from you. And I think that one of the really big questions for existing business owners right now is how can they expand their operations? And they want to know what the landscapes are. What are the most friendly areas um, or where should they be looking right now if they are in the industry and want to grow into the industry or are looking at the industry and want to go to the next and to the next booming, um, you know, the, the next spot that's going to be booming. Where's that, where's that going to be based off of legalities? Ah, again, that's not an easy question to answer because there's not, um, you know, given that, that the flow of capital has been restricted in this industry and a lot of the bigger players have kind of overbuilt or maybe overinvested in certain things. I mean, I'm sure you've heard about what's happened in Canada where there's, you know, there's people already uh, experiencing, you know, constrictions in supply or out in California where there's people already being laid off. Um, there, um, there are some markets that are still in the process of maturation. I'm thinking particularly in the Midwest, um, Michigan and Illinois and places like that. Uh, but, you know, before I get into any kind of discussion of, oh, where's the best place to land? You know, where's the best place to uh, start a new business? Uh, the answer is... Um, you know what? It, it's going to vary depending on who uh, any particular entrepreneur is familiar with, what what state laws they're familiar with, what uh, economic environment they're familiar with. There's no one safe place to go and say, "Oh, well, this is going to work here." Definitely, there's always risk involved. There's always uh, 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 an amount of of risk involved. And there's no place that you're going to go that's going to be guaranteed to be successful. Uh, Even in those states, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, the the, uh, adult use markets in in, uh, Michigan and Illinois. There's emerging medical markets in uh, Missouri, in Arkansas, in Oklahoma, uh, in uh, New Mexico as well. New Mexico is is, uh, fairly uh, a little bit more mature than that. But the fact is that because this is so new, it's such a new field, and the the state of the law is still very mushy. It's very novel. Uh, the in the, the state courts in each state are still figuring out how to parse and interpret uh, uh, the the statutes and regulations governing the cannabis industry, whether you're talking about the medical side or the adult use side. But is it a cross your fingers and hope to die kind of thing? Like it's uh, is it still a crab shoot on the judge that you get or is there? Up to a point, yes. Up to a point, yes. But that's true for just about everything. <laughs> um, I mean, look at what's going on in Missouri right now. You had a, a, a virtual gold rush for medical cannabis licenses. 
and now there are 845 lawsuits against the Missouri Department of Health appealing denials of licenses, appealing denials of licensure for medical cannabis. You have a similar situation in Arkansas where there's been allegations of corruption and backroom deals in licensure. Uh, down in Florida, you had a situation where um, uh, there was temporarily a ban on smokable cannabis, and then the state Supreme Court said, nah, that's a violation of the uh, 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 constitutional amendment that we passed. You can't do that. Um, I, I could honestly, I could spend all day talking about like, oh, which, wh what, what states have allowed what forms of cannabis and what litigation has gone on over what patients are allowed to possess and what uh, 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 manufacturers and, and cultivators are allowed to grow and process. I, I mean, uh, the best answer I can, get, I can give to those people who are just starting off in this industry is look at the statutes, look at the regulations, look at them with a critical eye. And, uh, uh, you know, um, if you, if you know any attorneys who are in this space or have familiarity with the space, uh, spend some time talking to them. Um, but the fact is that th there is, there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty. There is a tremendous amount of, uh, of risk involved in that. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that uh, sometimes uh, two states will answer the same legal question in very different ways. Uh, you see that in the issue of, um, you know, whether or not it's legal to fire someone for being a medical marijuana cardholder or testing positive for uh, uh, cannabis on the job. Uh, there are some states that are that, that give very strong protections to medical marijuana patients and consumers. Where there, whereas there are some states that give no protections at all, and uh, uh, that can be those a matter. are not the states we're going to. What's that? I said those are not going to be the states that we're going to to crack open the business. Let me ask you a different question. Okay. Let me let me ask you a different question. You when I when we were talking about the different ways to to come into this space, you alluded right. to the fact that you are actually doing all three. You, you got you got yourself a gig in the industry. You've tailored your existing services to serve this new emerging market. Like you said, once in a lifetime opportunity to you know accurately document the phases and stages of growth right. that right. going through. And then on top of that, you mentioned that you're also starting a business in this space. Is that the website, or are you starting a physical, a different kind of cannabis company? As of right now, I am not starting a different uh, cannabis company, at least not yet. Um, that may change. Uh, here in New Jersey, we're going to have a ballot initiative come November uh, to legalize adult use cannabis. And uh, I know quite a few people in uh, the industry here in New Jersey. And uh, people are really uh, chomping at the bit to get into the, the, to get into it. There's a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for it here on the East Coast. And uh, here in New Jersey, where for a very long time, New Jersey had some of the strictest uh, uh, criminal laws against cannabis possession in the country. And there's a lot of pent up demand and there's a lot of frustration with uh, uh, even with the expansion of the medical program 
Uh, there's a lot of frustration that this state hasn't gone further. Um, people feel that, you know, their rights are being violated, that their freedoms are being stepped on by an unjust system, which is true. I mean, that's absolutely the case. Um, so there's a lot of people who are eager, not just to see legalization, but to, to have a piece of the pie, to have a piece of the action. And, uh, uh, you know, once, once that happens, I do anticipate that the ballot initiative will pass. I, I can't say with regards to the rest of what's going to happen in the general election in November, God only knows. But uh, I do anticipate that uh, uh, the ballot initiative will pass. And uh, what's going to happen after that? I mean, it's going to take probably a year or two before uh, we actually have a functional you know, adult use market here in New Jersey. But uh, I know there's a lot of people who are very, very eager to get into it. And uh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to be doing at that point. Things seem to change so rapidly these days. I feel like I don't know from one day to the next what I'm going to be doing. Uh, that has never been a more true statement, by the way. The only thing that changes more often than the cannabis industry is the corona industry. Oh, God. <laughs> How I mean, are you guys uh, doing over there? Well, I'm okay. You can hear me coughing. It's not. I don't have COVID nineteen. I want to make that clear. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, that's just allergy. I'm, I'm in the process of quitting smoking, smoking tobacco. That is, and uh, I'm. You know, all the bad's coming out. You know, so I. Uh, <laughs> that's why you hear you, you hear me a little bit wheezing here. You know, uh, I. Uh, I just have that, but. Um, Congratulations, yeah. man. That's not easy. I know it's, I'm not feeling great, but I figure if there's any time to do it, it's, uh, now because, uh, I figure if it, if it increases my chance of not dying during the current pandemic, I figure that's the smart thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Anything we can do to increase our chances of survival, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, all I can say to people, I mean, I know, you know, complete, uh, self-isolation is virtually impossible. People are going to need to go out and get food, get medicine, whatever. Um, just all I can say is, you know, social distancing uh, and be careful what surfaces you touch. Be careful what uh, what you make physical contact with. I mean, that's what I've been doing. Make sure you wash your hands frequently. Uh, I'm fortunate. I'm a very I'm a very clean person, so it's not quite as much of a big adjustment for me. But uh, you know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I, I can only hope that uh, it turns out to be not as bad as it looks. That's all I can say. How do you think all of this is going to ad- affect? I mean, we've already seen such an incredible impact in small businesses. Right. And by the time this is published, we're going to be looking at, you know, even more the, like the real repercussions. This will publish in, you know, three weeks from today. Um, and okay. we would have, it would have been a completely different landscape by now. Um, however, you know, we're already beginning to see the economic impact in multiple industries, food and beverage, right. you know, transportation, da, da, da. Um, for Christ's sake, we are closing down borders. Like this is a very sick, I'm looking at pictures of these cities that are ghost towns and they're the hubs of the universe, you know? Oh, yeah. 
New York City, New York, LA. This is absurd. It's Paris, London, Tokyo. Oh my God, it's incredible to see how quickly they got everybody to respond and got everybody inside. The the impact of these businesses is incredible. Um, I want to know from you, what do you think is going to happen with the cannabis industry? They say that it's a recession-proof industry. Do you think it's recession-proof or do you think we're going to see this? I do not believe in the concept of a recession-proof industry, number one. As someone who's actually studied economics, I can tell you that there are certain industries that are more resistant to uh, uh, economic downturns than others. And we can get into, you know, we can get into the whole discussion of, you know, economic systems and, and uh, you know, the role of the state and the role, of, you know, the role of government, the role of private capital and finance and whatever. I mean, that's, I, we'd, be, we'd be on the line all day if we started talking about that. Um, I think that the, the cannabis industry, I think, will weather the storm somewhat better than uh, a lot of other industries. But uh, uh, the the um, how could I put this? The the reason for that is that be, is because a lot of states, including my home state of New Jersey. Uh, have treated uh, uh, cannabis dispensaries, in, uh, uh, in particular medical cannabis dispensaries, as essential businesses which should remain open. Okay? Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Now, now, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's okay. I was just saying I, I agree with that sentiment 100%. Oh, uh, yeah. So do I. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you, um, the people who are uh, uh, medical patients in particular. Let's leave aside the, the uh, adult use consumers for, for just a moment. Uh, the people who are medical patients, uh, these people are typically uh, either disabled or, or otherwise, you know, medically fragile. Some of them are immunocompromised. Uh, they, uh, the, these people depend on cannabis for relief of pain, relief of whatever other symptoms that they are suffering. And uh, a lot of them, um, even in, in states where recreational uh, cannabis is legal, uh, uh, they're getting priority at dispensaries, which I think is as it should be. Uh, there's been concern about uh, uh, dispensaries running out of supply. Uh, it's not quite as bad here in New Jersey as it is in other places. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting that a lot of states have, have included dispensaries and liquor stores as essential businesses. I, I find that kind of interesting. To, you know, they're, they're, they're treating it as if it's the same thing. But in reality, uh, cannabis has, I think, much greater medical value than alcohol. Uh, um, but nonetheless, I mean, people are people are. People are going to be afraid to come out. People are going to be afraid to go out and, and leave their homes. Uh, uh, and that is, going to, that is going to put a temporary dent in demand, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to – it's not going to destroy the industry. It's not it, – it's, it's a temporary bump in the road. What I'm uh, I think I think we're I, I mean, I'm, I know people who spent as much money on cannabis as they did on their month's supply of groceries and household whatever okay 
Well, that's another <laughs> issue. That's another issue is uh, price point and, 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 you know, making, making the product more affordable, especially for medical patients. I think, you know, that's, again, that's going to be a problem to solve going forward. I don't know, as of, as for how to do it now, I don't, I don't have a, an easy solution. Uh, I don't have an easy solution for that. But, yeah, um, no, for sure. And I mean, I don't, it, it's it's so it's so incredible. Well, I think it's going to present a whole new set of challenges. And I generally ask oh, absolutely. Owners, but I generally ask business owners on the on the um, podcast, you know, what are the challenges that present themselves to us in this, you know, in this industry while we're growing and starting businesses? Um, however, I, I don't even think we know what the answer to that question is right now, because just literally there's going to be pre-corona and post-corona. They, the the oh, yeah. world has never responded to anything like this before. Well, uh, I don't know about all that. Uh, I mean, let's not forget that a century ago, the Spanish flu killed more people than World War One did. But at the time, we didn't have the infrastructure to shut the entire globe down. No, but we also had much more limited transportation infrastructure back then. We didn't have international air travel back then, really. Truth. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think that this uh, particular pandemic is going to be anywhere near as destructive as, uh, as the Spanish flu or as, you know, typhoid fever or cholera or smallpox or any other, you know, uh, 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 massive uh, disease uh, pandemic that you could name. This is going to be, it's going to be a rough next few months at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the economic, the economic impact, you know, and the fear factor are more concern for me. Like you're saying, People just acting a fool because they're pent up and they don't know. They're like caged lions. People don't know what to do with their pent up energy. Yeah, and the and the panic buying and hoarding of goods and price gouging, you know that that certainly doesn't help. Uh, I haven't heard any reports of uh, price gouging in the cannabis industry, but I do know that uh, some dispensaries, uh, both in this state and others, are limiting. Uh, the quantities that that uh, uh, can be purchased just to make sure there's enough product to go around for all the patients who need it, which I think, again, I think is a necessary step to take in a situation like that. Totally. Colorado cannabis industry, big up to them right now because they're making, you know, incredible, fast, necessary decisions to... Um, to stay open and to serve their communities, and Good. so I'm just like super proud of my of my canna uh, cannapreneurs right now who are having yeah. to make some tough decisions, letting people go, you know, keeping on the core team, reconfiguring. I mean, so much is happening so fast, and I just want to send lots of love uh, out to the industries that are having to change so quickly and are doing so really seamlessly to continue to serve our communities. Good, good job. Good. Wonderful. And, and, um, you know, for the work that you're doing, I think it's so, so important. Like, what is it that you hope to capture? Um, and how, how do you want to leave your legacy? How do you see that? How do you see yourself being written into history, history through the work that you're doing right now? Well, that's, uh, you, you asked some tough questions. I got to hand it to you. I, I, hey, you I, know what? I, I want you to dig deep. This isn't a surface level. I'm like the Oprah of cannabis right now. We're going to scratch. No, that's good, stuff. though. That's good, though. <laughs> um, uh, what I want my legacy to be is, I mean, 
look, I've always been kind of a nerd, a guy who likes to research and write about stuff. And that's what I'm doing now. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. I mean, it's not the only thing I'm going to do. I have other, you know, I have other plans that are still, you know, being formulated. Because like I said, we don't really know how all this is going to shake out. Uh, uh, politically, uh, uh, medically, economically, any of those questions, we don't really know. Uh, I, I would like to be remembered as someone who, uh, early on, as the industry first kind of began its its uh, 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 birth pangs, so to speak, uh, uh, someone who was there and documented it, you know, like, like the medieval scribes of old, you know, writing down yeah. knowledge so that future generations could know it. Yeah. Well, maybe not, maybe not that vital, but, uh, certainly, um, we, we, uh, wanted to, to give to the country and the world, uh, 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 a tool and, a uh, a set of data that they could use to make decisions and to see what's going on and see how, uh, uh, state governments and, and the federal government are handling this issue and they could see the evolution of it right in front of their eyes. Because uh, in addition to all the, the court cases and, and, and litigation, we also have, um, you know, federal agency guidance and, and things, and, and things of that nature, you know, state regulations, federal regulations, uh, uh, agency documents, you know, from, United States Department of Agriculture, from the uh, uh, Food and Drug Administration, a whole bunch of others. And uh, basically, you can see about um, one thing, one thing that you can view is how the federal government, even even in the absence of federal legalization, can uh, is, is adapting to the new reality. And it's, it's like watching in, in a very meaningful way. It's almost like watching the Berlin Wall fall. I, I, I know that sounds like a very strange analogy, but uh, eventually there is going to be federal legalization. I don't know exactly how it's going to come about, but uh, I, I don't know exactly what it's going to come about. But, you know, to, to get a view of how uh, people in government and the public sector are viewing this uh 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 will give you will give our subscribers some idea of not just what moves to make but what things to think about as they move along as they progress in this industry and i you know i'm glad to have had a part in bringing some clarity to uh uh an industry that's still very much in its embryonic stages and that's, I guess, what I hope to be remembered for. Uh, 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 what, again, what happens even in the near-term future, I'm not really sure, but I, I hope that that's what at least people will think of. When they think of me and they think of Cannabis Law Digest, I hope that that's what they think of. Awesome. I love that. I was just making sure that you were done. You can't interrupt when you're in flow like that. <laughs> no, I just, I, I kind of, I wanted to give you a complete answer, but uh, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff swimming around in my brain right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I totally get it. What I hear you saying is that you want to be remembered for telling the story of cannabis as it happened, um, you know, and give us a timeline and a... Yeah. 
you know, historical roadmap to what, what transpired here. And, and you're absolutely right. It is a lifetime type opportunity to be right. that and be remembered for that. And I think, I think you guys are doing a really great job. I, I Thank mean, you. As a colleague in the industry, I'm, you know, I'm certainly proud of the work that you guys do and, um, you know, see, see a lot of benefit to, to how you guys are describing, you know, these historical events. Um, where can folks find you if they're interested in following your story or finding out more about the work that you're doing or perhaps becoming one of your subscribers? Uh, well, CannabisLawDigest.com is our website, or you can just Google Cannabis Law Digest and you'll find us. Um, there's, uh, you know, a join button right uh i'm actually on the site right now yeah there's a join button you can see what our uh subscription pricing is uh we also do um enterprise pricing for uh uh uh, you know law firms and other businesses that are interested in uh getting multiple user licenses uh as far as me personally um uh, let's see. I'm on, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jared I. Mancinelli. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Mancinelli underscore JI at Twitter. Uh, that's, that's my at on there. I'm, I'm not as active on there. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat active on social media, but like, Honestly, 95% of what I post is just like news articles and stuff, just to some of it about cannabis and some of it about other legal developments. Uh, I'm not one of those people who, you know, spends all their time trying to be, you know, cute and funny on social media. Uh, no, you're just one of those guys that talks about those guys. <laughs> no, I mean, whatever. Like, there's some, there's some like, uh, you know, humorous accounts that I follow, but I, I you know, my, my my Twitter feed is mainly just like news articles and trying to keep up with both the cannabis industry and other developments in law. Way to uh, sell yourself. Way to sell yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not one of these people who's trying to like BS my way into fame. Like I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying, you know, I'm not out here trying to pretend to be something I'm not, you know. Yeah, no, I I totally well, you wouldn't be welcome onto the podcast even if you I don't have too many quote unquote characters on my show. I'm probably the most charactery character on my show. But uh I, I have a lot of folks like yourself who are just like really awesome, respectable entrepreneurs who are really value driven and a lot of them are making an incredible impact in the industry, however they are serving us. Um and so if this is just my way of picking your guys' brains and making new friends in different facets of the industry. And I think, I think it's just, you know, while we all are, for me, we're, we're like the equivalent to a mom and pop shop where this monster in the industry, but we operate still like a very homey um, industry. And at the core, we are a relationship based business. And for me, what better way to build relationships and, build my network and, and increase the size of my family in this space by giving you guys a platform to share more about who you are and what you're passionate about and the impact that it's making for the world or for your community, um, no matter how big your world is, right? Sometimes right. the impact you're making is so significant inside of a square mile from where you're located. It doesn't even matter. 
And sometimes it's very macro. Like for me, the impact that I'm making because I'm on the internet and I'm really like, it's such an incredible advantage that I can leverage the internet to make the impact that I'm making. But as an industry, we are still a very grassroots relationship-based business. So my role in that is to provide a platform for you guys to be as you are, you know, loved, respected, accepted, just as we are you know, as advocates for what I think is freedom. At the end of the day, like what we're really advocating for, what we're really pushing the issue on is being able to create commerce around the subject of freedom, how we care for ourselves, the people that we love, how we exercise our personal belief systems, the kind of access that we want to, you know, nature and holistic, the understanding of holistic remedies and the history that that carves, you know, into the wall for us as we develop an industry around personal empowerment and freedom of choice. Well, I think, think. you know, to to, kind of hit on that particular point, I think it's necessary for people to know uh, uh, there's a tremendous amount of history surrounding this plant and how it's been used in different capacities and cannabis has been used medically as as uh, an herbal remedy, for, for lack of a better term, for thousands of years. I mean, they found it buried in ancient uh, uh, pre-Han dynasty graves in China. Uh, they found like poultices made with cannabis and other plants uh, uh, that were used for various medicinal purposes. Uh, so the, the medicinal properties of, of cannabis have been known for a very long time. Its illegality is a relatively new, I shouldn't say new, but relatively recent historical phenomenon. And it is a purely, the, the, the war on drugs and, and, and the problems that it's caused is a purely man-made problem. And once people start viewing it that way, viewing it from that perspective, I think that's kind of a good kind of jumping off point for kind of getting people on board with the idea of legalization. Those people who were still on the fence about it anyway, uh, that's a big part of it, I think. Um, uh, likewise, I think also um, the agricultural side of it, the, you know, the right to grow and things like that. Uh, I'm a big believer in um, right to grow and 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 allowing patients to uh, home grow their own medicine. Uh, that's been a very big point of contention here in New Jersey. Uh, the the last bill that came before our state legislature did not include a home grow provision. A lot of people, myself included, were very upset about that. Uh, uh, you know, I spoke out against that. I said that, you know, a bill without a home grow provision is by, by definition incomplete. Uh, I was not listened to, neither were any of the other people who supported it. But, you know, let's see what happens come November. We don't really know yet. California is a fucking disaster around that right now. Yeah, I, I have some friends out there. I know there's all kinds of mayhem going on out there right now. Uh, uh, you know, with you, you have, you have uh, California uh, cannabis control people, uh, you know, ripping out uh, a grows that are allegedly illegal, all kinds of stuff. And you still have people who are, who are, you know, going into national forests and cutting down trees to do illegal grows too. I'm not, I'm not quite as supportive of that, obviously. Yeah. 
No, but you know, I don't know. I'm just, I, I serve, I serve a number of clients out in California and have, you know, family out there who have just done beautiful work for so long and can't integrate into, you know, on the scale or with the, with the licensing and even like the personal grow aspect of it, where you should be able to have six plants. It's insane. Like just the regulatory strong arm that's happening over there. That's disrupting even personal rights, you know, to cultivate your, your medicine is just insane. It's, it's sad to watch because that's really the hub of where this all started. You know, it's right. 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 And it's one of those issues where, you know, uh, uh, there's the personal freedom aspect of it. And then there, you know, it's, it's, to what extent is the is the right to grow at odds with the concept of a regulated market, and where do you strike that balance? Because you don't want to create a situation where, like I said, people are just going to, you know, chop down parts of national forests to do illegal grows and you know potentially damage the environment. But at the same time, you don't want to shut out you know people who are growing for their own personal use, for especially for medical reasons. Uh, uh, and, you know, strengthen the hand of, you know, the large producers who are trying to dominate the market. You know, I don't want to see cannabis become just another bland corporate sector where there's, you know, an oligopoly of large producers that dominate the market and everyone else is just kind of under their thumb because they set the price and everyone else is just kind of forced to follow along. I don't want cannabis, you know, I, the, the, the people who, uh, uh, the anti-cannabis people who talk about uh, 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 cannabis being the next uh, big tobacco, as, as, as if the two are even comparable. I don't want to see cannabis become the next big oil. That's my uh, uh, response to that. I don't want to see an industry where there are a few large players that form an oligopoly and a cartel who de-, de facto have control over price and supply and quantity and uh, uh, basically force everyone else to compete directly with them rather than have a diverse group of producers in each state who will supply the needs of local markets with the products that are demanded locally, that are, that are needed locally. And I think that's something else that is going to have to be, uh, uh, as the industry grows and develops and as the legal situation changes, uh, the, um, the, the structure, conduct, and performance of the industry, as uh, 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 are discussed frequently in uh, antitrust law, uh, those are going to be issues that uh, I think not just lawyers, but everyone in the industry is going to have to think very hard about those things and, and what, what they want to see what culture they want to see out of the industry and uh, what structure they want to see out of it, I think are going to be very, very important. And again, that's a story yet to be written. Well, like I said, while we are a self-governing industry, we have to decide, are we going to be the ones who uh, set the bar or follow along with with the rules that are being made? And I choose to be somebody who is a cut above. Um, I definitely do not like to operate in mediocrity, um, nor do I consider myself to be. So I like to keep myself in good company so that I'm always, you know, I don't like to be the smartest person in the room. 
So I love, I, I love how this industry continuously challenges us to utilize critical thinking. Right. To understand, you know, like how to make this not only a, a better place to do business, <clears throat> but really finding a better way to do business um, and on a larger scale. And right. it's super fascinating. And I'm really excited to see how, how these things unfold. Um, you know, my good friend, we are out of time. I'm like okay. so into this conversation that I don't want it to end. Um, no, there's a, believe me, there's a lot more I could say. I've met so many incredible people in this industry, just people from all walks of life who have a story to tell. And, uh, you know, I can tell you, you're, you're definitely one of those people. Uh, like I said, we've, we've attracted a lot of good people into this industry, and I hope that continues. Absolutely. Me too. Well, so far, so far, so good. I know a lot of really incredible people who are doing incredible things in this space. And um, so I thank you, Jared, for your time today and for the incredible work that you're doing in the industry. And for those of you guys who are a part of our Hemp Revolution community or our Medical Secrets family, thank you so much for being a part of this incredible community. Um, as you know, every time that you like and share content like this and tag people that you believe this is going to make a difference for. You are a part of helping us transform the way that we think about and talk about cannabis in our families and communities. So I invite you now to like and share this content. Make sure that you tag some folks or attach them to the email. However, this episode came to you. Make sure that you share it around and help us to continue to move the needle on legalization. Because you like and share content just like this, we've been able to impact hundreds of millions of people's lives around the world. And we are not done yet, guys. So thank you so much. If you're someone who's looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you are a business owner or budding entrepreneur in this space, I'd love to hear your story. Shoot me a message at sonia at medicalsecrets.com and I'll be looking forward to connecting. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.